This is KMTT, Kimitzion Titzay Torah, in uh, the summer's man, starting uh, now after Pesach. We'll be having a series of shiurim by Harav Moshe Tarragon on Pekei Avot, to complement, hopefully, your own learning of Pekei Avot each week, a different parak, one Mishnah, one idea, from each parak keeping up with the general learning. Harav Moshe Tarragon. The sixth Mishnah in Perakiavos in the first parak cites Yoshua ben Prachia, who was the head of the Sanhedrin in the days of Yochanan Kohen Gadol Hashmonai, so we're right in the period of Hanukkah, and his peer, his ben Zog, Nitai Harbeli, who was the Av Beistin, not the head of the Sanhedrin, but the Av Beistin. Each of these pairings in the first parak represent these teams, the Nasiya Sanhedrin and the Av Beistin. So the Mishnah first quotes in the name of Yoshua ben Prachia, Aselecha Rav, Uknelecha Chaver, Vavidanes Kal Adam Lekav Sechus. A three part statement, seemingly where the first two of the three are very much uh, symmetrical, even correspondent to the importance of locating Rebbeim and friends. And the final part of the Mishnah seems a bit uh, unrelated about judging people favorably and giving people the benefit of the doubt. Um, but first, before analyzing the Mishnah, a word or two about Yoshua ben Prachia. Um, he was involved in a very interesting story. Um, it started out, the Gemara in Sota relates that Yana HaMelech, as the Gemara discusses in Kiddushin and other places, um, started to murder the Tanoim. Um, so Yoshua ben Prachia fled to Alexandria. And at some point, Shimon ben Shetach um, made peace. Shimon ben Shetach reconciled Yanai to the Chachamah Yisrael. So Shimon ben Shetach writes a letter to his Rebbe, Yeshua ben Prachia. Yeshua ben Prachia was the Rebbe of Shimon ben Shetach. And he hints to him that Yushalayim is now safe to return and that Yeshua ben Prachia should return to Yushalayim. There's no longer danger in Yushalayim from Yanai HaMelech. So Yeshua ben Prachia decides the, I won't say the deposed Nasiya Sanhedrin, but the Nasiya Sanhedrin who was forced to flee for his life from Yanahem Melech, decides to return to Yishalayim. On his way back, um, he enters into some inn or some tavern, and uh, the tavern owner was very respectful, was very helpful, uh, in short, made a big deal about Yoshua ben Prachia, showed him a lot of honor, comfortable, uh, comfortable lodging. So, Yoshua ben Prachia praised the owner of the inn, of the tavern, and his wife by saying, Kama noe achsan yazu. How beautiful is this inn, this tavern? At which point, one of his tamidim questions him and says, Rebbe, how could you be so exalting of this tavern? The eyes of the tavern owner's wife are round, are deformed, aren't attractive. At which point Yeshua ben Prachia becomes irritated, becomes irate. Why are you looking at a woman's eyes? Why are you paying so much attention? Why is this something of such great importance? And at that point, Yeshua ben Prachia promptly excommunicates his Talmud because he fears that this Talmud is too attentive to female features. And he refuses to lift the ban. He refuses to lift the excommunication, the cherem, the nidui. Um, at a certain point, 
he decides that time has elapsed, enough punishment has been administered, and it really is time for clemency. And the Talmud happens to arrive at Yoshua ben Prachia's home, or base Medrash, seeking clemency. But Yoshua ben Prachia is in the middle of Kriya Shema, and he gestures to the Talmud that he should wait until he finishes, and, and he has full intent to remove the excommunication. But the Talmud misunderstands the gesture, assumes that Yeshua ben Prachia is still uh, uh, unwilling, unwilling to embrace him and to lift the ban, and because he is so alienated from Yeshua ben Prachia, he decides that all is lost, he goes to worship of Odazara, he leads others astray, and even though Yeshua ben Prachia himself, the Rebbe, solicits some form of um, rehabilitation, he asks him to perform tshuva, so this Talmud says, I've already received the Masara from you, you taught me, that anyone who is machti as harabim doesn't have the ability to perform tshuva. And therefore, he's set in his ways, and he sees himself as, as forever lost. Now this, in and of itself, is a fascinating story. It highlights many different aspects of a Revi Talmud relationship, of uh, the need, uh, perhaps, to be, on the one hand, firm and unwavering in, in applying and, and uh, supporting Torah law. In this case, it wasn't even a halacha, but it was um, an attitude or a behavioral trait, the way that Yoshua ben Prachi thought his Talmud was too attracted to women or too interested, too obsessed with women's issues. On the other hand, perhaps in retrospect, this was a very, very inflexible uh, treatment, and it led the Talmud to become alienated from Judaism and to lead others astray. But historically, this is a fascinating story, because according to some, this Talmud was Yeshu, was Jesus. And according to some Rishonim, this was the Talmud, Jesus, of Yeshua ben Prachia, who defected, so to speak, during the days of Yana HaMelech. Now this, of course, would put a hundred years between this story, about a hundred years between this story, and the, um, a little bit more than a hundred years, and the actual historical dating of Jesus in the days of the Romans, in the days of Hordus. So, um, it's a very interesting story that Chazal heard a story about this um, renegade student who left the fold and drew others away, and they attributed this, not really Chazal, but some of the Rishonim, the Ravid in particular, they attributed this story to Jesus. So it's an interesting story, and it should be noted before discussing the halachas, or the moralisms which Yeshua ben Prachia articulated. As I mentioned before, the first two parts of this Mishnah, Aseh Rav, establishing a Rebbe figure, Okineh Chaver, and befriending others, acquiring friends, share a lot in common. These are the people we grow from and learn from, either educationally and Torah-wise, or even developmentally. We develop based on uh, the friendships we make. Many of you shown him, for example, Rashi, the Vilna Gon and his parish, the Me'iri, viewed them not just as parallel, but as almost not really identical, but as very, very closely relate, related. Um, Rashi, for example, cites an opinion that Kenei Chaver doesn't even refer to a Chaver, doesn't even refer to a friend as we would assume, and as many we showed him interpret it, but Svarim. Asel means establish a rabbi. Kenei Chaver means purchase Svarim. And 
Chazal at this early stage were trying to build an attitude towards Torah study, towards Svarim. Again, Svarim were, were quite, um, were, were quite limited, quite sparse, because Torah Shabbat was still an oral corpus. But according to Rashi, the Mishnah, Yeshua ben Prachi's Mishnah doesn't at any level speak of friends in the way that modern society would interpret the word chaver. Um, the Vilna Gaon in his parish, even if the word chaver means a person, not a sefer, Vilna Gaon and many others see this as a different route towards Tarastai. The Gemara in Makos talks about the Gemara says, I learned many Many items of Torah. I learned a lot of Torah from my Rebbeim, or Mechaverai Yoser Mehem. And I learned even more from my friends. So the importance, the stress on friendship, even if it refers to a Homo sapien, to a human being, not to a Sefer, not to a book, maybe as a subsidiary or as a complement to the Torah study which a Rav can deliver. Several Gemaras, I mentioned the Gemara in Makos. Uh, Gemara mentions O Chavrusa, O Misusa. Stressing the importance of Chavrusa, the Gemara in Brachos, towards the end, interprets a Pasuk in Devarim, Haskes, Ushma Yisrael, Lasos, Kitos, Vekitos, to make groups of Talmud Chachamim, with the notion that Torah is best understood and best studied, to interaction with others, interaction with peers, that help develop, that help sharpen, that help um, articulate ideas. So very commonly, this Mishnah is taken as a reference to Chaver, to friends, but according to many Rishonim, it doesn't refer to friends in the colloquial, emotional state where friends help you grow and give you advice and, and, and walk you through life. But this is a statement which entirely describes a pattern of Torah study, a pattern of, or a strategy for Torah study, both through Rebbeim and through friends, Chavrusas. But without question, many Rishonim saw Chaver in the literal sense, not just as a Torah assister, someone to help you study Torah, but someone who could help you grow as a person, support you emotionally, develop friendship, even outside of the framework or the context of Torah study. This is clearly the development which the Rambam provides. The Rambam quotes Aristotle about the, the, the love of a friend, um, and it's not just the Rambam, it's, it's really also in Avas Nasan, in the Mishnah in Avas Nasan, in Perak Shmini, where this Mishnah is quoted, the interpretation of the Mishnah in Avas, of Chazal, you acquire a friend who you eat with, and you drink with, V'yikari imo, and you read with, V'yishani imo, you learn with, V'yishani imo, and you spend time with, you sleep together, you travel together. It's a broader context, not just within the Beis HaMedrash, or not just within the context of Torah study. Yigalalo kol sesarav, you can reveal, you can disclose your secrets without fear that, that exposure, or that disclosure will be exploited or manipulated. Seser Torah, the secrets of Torah, Seser Derech Eretz, the secrets of life, counsel and advice. And indeed, the Mishnah describes a friend's role in helping to clarify or um, sharpen Torah knowledge. If you're sitting and studying together, one makes a mistake, the other can correct him. But the entire um, 
the entire description of Avis Rav Nassan at least includes friendship beyond just Chavrusa, beyond just Torah study. So, the more commonplace interpretation of these two statements, Asei Lecharav, Kenei Lechachaver, refers to, on the one hand, acquiring a Rebbe, on the other hand, um, acquiring and forming friendships. Related, but different. Asei Lecharav is a very interesting articulation. The word Asei is interesting. Why Asei? Especially in contrast to Kenei. Should be kenei lecharav, kenei lechachaver, or asei lecharav, asei lechachaver. So, some, for example, the Meiri, question whether the term asia is more complex and complicated than the term kenia. Um, the Meiri actually provides two diametrically opposed approaches. In his first approach, the word asei suggests toil and effort and locating a rav, and locating a rav with integrity, with piety with erudition. Whereas friendship, friendship is easier to come by. One would presume that the criteria in a friend are not as severe, not as strict as the criteria for Rebbe. And therefore friendship acquisition may be easier than locating and acquiring a Rebbe. And therefore the term assay, which suggests work and toil and struggle and effort, is employed about locating a Rebbe, whereas the term kine describes acquiring a friend. But then the Me'iri questions that maybe it's the exact opposite. Maybe it's easier to find Rebbeim. I think he suggests this human psychology that's involved. The Rebbe, for his perspective, or from his perspective, may be inclined or predisposed to be a Rebbe. The honor, the authority that comes with serving as a Rebbe. Obviously, these shouldn't form the basis of the nucleus of a person's role as a Rebbe, but the human nature is human nature. Whereas friendships... Friendships sometimes are more difficult because they entail sacrifice and commitment and dedication. And the word kine may, in fact, suggest greater effort to acquire, to purchase, to give up something. We'll talk about this a bit later. But it's without question, these terms, asel charav and kine lechachaver, are very intriguing, very startling. Um, asel charav Rabbeinu Avadjami Bar cites the following notion. It's already latent in a Gemara, in a Vodazara, and a Gemara in Chulet. Asayelach Rav suggests a singular person, a Rebbe, one Rebbe. And this strain of trying to condense, this strain of thought, this perspective of trying to learn from one Rebbe to condense, to concentrate all your Torah acquisition from one Rebbe, is already latent in that Mishnah in Avos of Nasan. The Mishnah continues, You should study from your Rebbe, Mikra, Mishnah, Medrash, Halachos, Agados, everything. The Mishnah explains, Tam shenichalo b'mikra, sof shiemalo b'mishnah, Avos of Nasan, Perikhas. Tam sheniach lo b'medrash, sof shemelo b'halachos. All of Torah is integrated. Torah is a reflection of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Kodesh Baruch Hu is indivisible. Torah can't be divided. We divide it. We compartmentalize it. Halachic sections, uh, machshava sections, developmental sections, Tanakh, analysis, acquisition of knowledge. 
But these are all human divisions which dissect Torah into constituent parts. Torah, its truth, is an indivisible, integrated, incorporated unity. And the more that you receive that Torah information in a unified and incorporated fashion, the more true and authentic a Torah it would be. And this is exactly what the mission of Avaz of Nassim describes. Tam shenichlo b'mikra sof shiyamula b'mishnah, the same perspective, the same strategy which informed instruction of Scripture, of Torah Shebechsav, will ultimately be reinforced in Torah Shebaalpeh, etc., etc. So according to the Mishnah and Avaz of Nassim, Aseh suggests localizing all of your Torah study from one Rebbe. In fact, the ensuing Mishnah in Avastar of Nasan in the eighth parak cites Rebbe Meir. If study from one Rav, it's like you have one field. And part of that field is olives, and part of that field is wheat, and part of that field is an orchard, and part of that field is, uh, is other grains. And that person benefits. Whereas if you study from two or three people, it's like you're scattering your fields. Here, Rabbi Meir's metaphor suggests a different benefit. It seems more practical almost. It's not as if if I put my olives and my apples and my wheat within one field, the flavor of the apples will affect the olives. Hopefully they won't. I would imagine if apple-flavored olives, the olive oil would be less, uh, less quality, less of a caliber. It's more of a practical question of how we acquire Torah, the time of effort we spent in translating and internalizing Torah. If the first Mishnah talked about the integrity and incorporation of Torah when studied from one Rav, this Mishnah of Rabbi Meir suggests that a person won't have to translate and articulate. Every person sees Torah as a system. Every person sees it as one. And if that Masara is transferred in its entirety, then the recipient has less work to do person who has multiple fields has to take time out for transportation, for relocation of tools and materials, whereas if it's in one field, presumably the benefit is practical, that all the tools are, are concentrated and all the materials are concentrated. And these two Mishnayas and Avaz of Nasan are the basis for Abeinu Avadjami Baratunur's statement that Asei Lecharav highlights the importance of one Rav. Now the problem is that there is a Gemara in Avodah Zarah on Daf Yutes that suggests otherwise. The Gemara says, Kol halomei Torah me rav echad. If you study Torah from only one Rav, Eino roa simen bracha le'olam. You'll never see the same type of success in Torah study. Very harsh. Eino roa simen bracha le'olam. This is paralleled by another Mishnah in Avis Rav Nasan. Ironically, and startlingly, a Mishnah authored by Rabbi Meir himself. Rabbi Meir was the author of the Mishnah in Parakhas, lauding, extolling the importance of studying from one Rav. In Parak Shlishi, Avas Drivnasan Mishnah Vav, the Mishnah discusses a Pasuk in Kohelas. The Pasuk talks about um, studying Torah. Um, it's, it's a Pasuk in Kohelas that the um, which talks about the importance of um, persistent, sustained effort. The Pasuk is in Kohelas Yud Aleph Baboker, Zeraz Zarecha, in the morning you should plant your seeds, Vila Erev Al Tanach Yodecha, and at night you shouldn't um, desist, 
you should continue working. And some of the Tanaim saw this in an agricultural sense, um, work ethic, industriousness, persistence, as we were called, stick to Others saw it as a gloss for family life, to have children as long as possible and as often as possible, and to really build larger families, not just to father children when you're young. But Rabbi Meir said as follows, If you've studied from one Rav, don't say it's efficient. Find a different Tamad Chacham, find a different Rav. To the same Rabbi Meir, who highlighted the significance of studying Torah from one Rav, it's like condensing all your agricultural efforts in one field, that same Rabbi Meir spoke about the importance of multiple Rabbanim. Or to describe the paradox differently, Chazal in so many locations speak about the importance of one Rav, and yet the Gemara of Odezara says, Eina Roa Simen Bracha. So there really, I think, are two answers. One is the answer the Gemara provides in Avodazara Yotes. Hanimili Svara. Avo Gemara Mirav Echad Adif. The Gemara distinguishes between Svara and Gemara. Gemara means studying information, studying the Girsa, which in those days was a crucial and vulnerable part of their study because Torah was an oral tradition. What exactly did Rav say? What exactly did Rabbi Huda say? What exactly did Rabbi Akiva say? It's a very important part of their learning, just transmitting and protecting the transmission and protecting the integrity of the transmission. And there, obviously, one Rav is superior because he provides a consistent, holistic tradition. It would be very debilitating and very splintering to study the actual transmission of text from multiple sources. Whereas when it comes to analysis, to creativity, to logic the comparative devel- development, there, the Gemara actually prefers multiple Rebbeim. Different approaches, different views. So the Gemara in the distinguishes between the superiority of one Rav when it comes to capturing the actual tradition, but the preferability of multiple Rebbeim when it comes to the world of analysis. I think there may be a second, a second issue um, at play. And it may be already um, implicit in Rabbi Meir's metaphor of fields, of condensing fields. I think that when you first start learning, it's crucial to study from one Rav, or at least from a group of people who see things in similar fashion. When you study both in the actual information level of acquiring the data of Torah, the information, information as well as analysis, and not just Torah study, but building a perspective on life, building a derech, it's absolutely crucial that there be consistency, there be unity, there be synchronicity. Very often, I hear of boys who will say, well, I want to spend a little time in this yeshiva, and a little time in that yeshiva, and a little time in that yeshiva. I want to spend the summer in this yeshiva. Sometimes boys say, I want to go to yeshiva where there are different drachim on display. I think it seems uh, very attractive, but in my opinion, it's illusory. When you're young, especially when you're developing your your baseline, your way of processing Torah and processing life, consistency is absolutely crucial. And if you don't develop that system through consistency, very, very often, no system develops, no system of viewing life, no system of processing Torah, of developing and creating Torah. 
obviously everyone grows up and that system falls into place, but it's very, very fractured and very divided and very, um, very um, discrepant. It's like shards of ideas rather than one world view, one hashkafa, as we would say. I think that's what Rimei was describing with these multiple fields. You're planting, you're growing, you're developing a person. You're in the um, gestation stage, intellectually and developmentally. You're, you're involved in cultivating and nurturing. Once a person receives that tradition, whether it's a tradition of how to open up a Gemara and, and develop a sugya, or a tradition of how to navigate your way through life, how to view this world, then it becomes absolutely crucial not to be imprisoned, not to be trapped by that approach, but to open your horizons and open your mind and eyes and imagination to different perspectives to round yourself out. I think on the opposite spectrum, we've seen some people become so addicted and so immersed and so almost imprisoned by a particular approach that they're unable to stretch their horizons and redefine themselves and, and have that dynamic growth that's so crucial to life. So the Gemara Navarra Zara develops this dichotomy based on Svara versus Girsa. But I think there's a difference between the initial stages, and I say initial, the first five, six years of developing your learning and your religious perspective, and then your subsequent exposure to different strands and different directions of Torah. Um, the Rambam has a, and others, Rabbi Yonah, has a final, not a final, but at least uh, for this year, a final view relevant to Aseh They sense almost a bit of an apology, Aseh Almost as if the Mishnah is demanding a Rav for a person who would not necessarily appreciate this. For many people, for most people, Aseh is uh, is self-evident, it's obvious. How else can a person study Torah if he doesn't have a Rav? Most of the great figures throughout our Masara receive their Torah from Rabbanim. There are these very, very unique figures. The Chazonish may have been such a figure who didn't really study in the great yeshivos and was a self-made Talmud Chacham. But by and large, as the Torah itself, when the Torah talks about Torah study, it doesn't talk about study, it talks about teaching. You have to have Torah taught to you. You can't study Torah without a Rav. So it's obvious. And why is the Mishnah... Um, articulating something which is so obvious. So the Rambam and many others believe that evidently the Mishnah is, is, uh, is describing the importance to someone who may not appreciate it or may not understand it on their own. And this would refer, in case, either to a Talmud Chacham, who would think that he doesn't need a Rav, or to someone who is not as accomplished in his Talmud Chacham, but in his, in his learning, but who can't locate a Rav who is superior to him, who has more knowledge. Both of those situations are equivalent logically. They're Tamar Chacham, very accomplished Tamar Chacham, so they really are very qualified candidates in his locale, but none of those candidates are superior to him in learning. So he's effectively being told to place a Rav who is inferior to him, or someone who isn't that accomplished, but just can't find someone of, of caliber, of achievement. In either case, the Mishnah is is encouraging. Asay l'charav, for you. Asay l'charav. It's still important, even if he's not superior to you. It's still important for you. Um, I think it's important in learning. As smart as a person is, the different perspective 
a qualified perspective, even if it isn't a superior perspective, can always uh, sharpen and deepen your own perspective. It's important not just in the world of Torah study, it's important in the world of adjudication. Inevitably, that Talmud Chacham will also have the need for adjudication, for a based in, for a psak halacha, even if it's not a based in. And everyone is biased and no one can really rule about their own situation and just cons- consulting and discussing with another Rav and following the authority of that Rav. That itself is a helpful and salutary experience. The Gemara Nyevamos, Daf Kuftes, speaks about the, uh, the danger of someone who is tokea atzmo ledvar halacha. Tokea atzmo ledvar halacha according to one position in the Gemara, refers to someone who self-adjudicates when he has access to a different Rav, even if that Rav isn't more accomplished than him. I think it's also important, not just in the specific context of Torah study, or the specific judicial context of arriving at some conclusive psaac or uh, verdict, just important in general, developmentally. Every person in life to have some authority figure. It isn't healthy for person to ever be uh, completely self-arbitrating, completely self-monitoring. It's important to have people whose opinions you respect, even if they are not as accomplished as you are in particular areas of Torah study. Maybe they possess greater moral sensitivity, maybe greater wisdom, maybe greater knowledge and, and, and familiarity with a particular area or subject matter. But it's just important for people not to, uh, to, to drift independently in the seas of life, navigating their own way, but rather to, to feel that you can um, submit your own perspective and your own position to a person of authority, to a Rebbe figure. So going to the Rambam, Asei L'charav, and particularly the term, again, the Me'iri highlighted the word Asei L'charav as either suggesting greater effort or less effort, depending on whether a Rav or a friend is harder or easier. Whereas the Rambam suggested that Asei L'charav is almost, again, almost apologetic. You may not think you need a Rav, but you do. Asei l'charav. For yourself, make a Rav, even if that Rav objectively may not be superior to you, he's a Rav l'cha. So unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to describe the second part of the Mishnah at such great detail, but Emirat Hashem will have opportunity to return to this Mishnah from a fresh perspective.